Let's pray again. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would have mercy upon us, O Lord. Amen. Grant us all a filling of thy Holy Ghost. Yes. Give us all willing minds and seeing eyes and hearing ears, O Lord. Give us a heart that's true and in love with thee, that Amen. we would grab a hold of thy word, O Lord, and hold on to it and apply it to our lives. Right. Cause us to behold thy word this morning, O Lord, and to understand it, and make us to be doers of thy word and not just hearers. Search our hearts and try us, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in us. And if there is, grant us repentance and lead us into the way of everlasting. Help us, O Lord, to live more wholeheartedly for Thee. For it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen. By way of introduction, turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 4. But this is not what I'm preaching on. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Amen. My purpose today in preaching is to get all of you to consider some things that were written aforetime. For your learning, doctrine is important, so that from these Holy Scriptures you'll be encouraged to be patient and well-doing, and like it says here, to get comfort and to have hope. Amen. All of us, brethren need to have encouragement from time to time. We need comfort. I know in this daily battle, different problems that we have, it gets discouraging at times. And we have a temptation to get impatient. I was talking with a brother this morning, talking about dealing with sin. Now it gets so frustrating. Well, I hope today what we'll consider will help us to be encouraged to be patient and have hope and keep us to keep going on. If you will, turn over to Matthew chapter 1. This is just a little history thing here, but we're going to be considering a king, and the king we're going to consider is King Asa. I looked somewhere, and it said, supposedly in this self-pronouncing thing, it should be Asa, but I never heard it say that way, so I'm going to say Asa. Do you know who King Asa is? Mm-hmm. I know Brother Newell does. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, just so you can see, it says, And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Roboam, and Roboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. So Asa is like the, with the great-grandson of Solomon and the great-great-grandson of David. Right. This is the king of Judah. Turn, if you will, to Second Chronicles. And let you know, you know, it happened under Rehoboam that the kingdom is already split. So the kingdom of Israel is the other ten tribes, where King Asa is the king of is the king of Judah, which is really the tribe of Judah and the little tribe of Benjamin together. And the kingdom has been divided. We want to consider this man this day. And follow with me as I read, and I'm going to read three chapters, but don't worry, we won't be here forever. But I want you to get the whole picture about him, because what we're going to learn from it. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places, and brake down the images, and cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to do the law and the commandment. Amen. Also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. 
and he built fence cities in Judah. For the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities, and make about them walls, and towers, gates, and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he have given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears, out of Judah 300,000, out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand, that's a million, and three hundred chariots, and came into Marisha. Then Asa went out against him, and he set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathai at Marisha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them into Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar, For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him... He will forsake you. Right. Now for a long season Israel have been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn into the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did fix them with all adversary. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Amen. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the bondable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered to the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and with shouting, and with trumpets, and with coronets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Amen. And also concerning Maachi, the mother of Asa the king, and that's really his grandmother. 
He removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kedron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, that he himself had dedicated, silver and golden vessels. And there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Benadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. Benadad hearkened to King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they smote Ajon and Dan and Abel, Maom, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baashai heard it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Baashai was building, and he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Right. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in the, in the prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing, and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the thirtieth, Thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet, till his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulchres, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and divers kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art, and they made a very great burning for him. Well, there's three chapters to this king. And I hope as we consider him, there's things that we can learn from this that it will give us encouragement. There's good things and there's some bad things. Right. And we have some lessons to learn from this. First of all, I want you to consider his character. When it starts off, his land the land was quiet for ten years. You know why? Because Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Right. It wasn't because he was such a great king and had such a great army. Or that he was so smart, he did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Why does the Spirit want us to look at that? It's this. He didn't do which was good and right in the eyes of his own understanding or what other people thought was good and right. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He went to the Word of God and seen what God called good, what God said was right. There's a lot of stuff that people can tell you in the world. But the thing is, do you do that which is good and right in the eyes of the God? 
You know, we just went through a time when everybody calls it one of the greatest Christian holidays in the whole year, and we know from God's word this is a pagan day. But most people would tell you it was good and right to celebrate Christmas. We know it's abomination to the Lord. How do we know that? Because we want to be different? No, we read in God's word. Remember? But the thing is, that's what his character was like. He did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God. Are you that kind of man or woman? That sounds so simple. But when that pressure is on at work or with your friends, do you do that still? What is right with good and and right in the lives of the Lord? What he right. thinks, what he considers good. Another thing about Asa, his faith was shown by his works. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a day and time where everybody says they believe in God, everybody believes in Jesus, everybody says they believe the Bible, but they have no fruit. You look for their faith, you can't see it. You just hear it at their mouth. But look what it says about Asa. He took away the altars. Do you know how hard this is? If there were altars of strange gods in high places and all these images and groves there, who put them there? The people did. Right. Now, he's the king, but, you know, he knew there's the chance that they might rebel against him. I mean, the ten nations had already did that when Rehoboam thought he was so mighty. But you know what? He did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God, and he didn't care. He was the king. He got rid of them. Right. He got rid of them. His faith was shown by his works. Like it says in James 2, verses 17 through 20, Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Right. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. I love that. I love that. The older I get, I just love it. Because we live in a day and time where everybody says they believe, especially in this town. Everywhere I go, you start talking to anybody. It's hard to find an atheist anymore. They'll say, yeah, they believe. They believe. But there's nothing there to look at. Where is their faith? They go, well, I believe, I believe, that's it. And that's why you have so many churches where people are going and you don't see no changed lives. They're just mouthing it off. I like how it goes on. It says, Thou believest there is one God. I love the irony here. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The devils believe that, and they tremble. These people that you come across, they don't even tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. And what we have to ask ourselves, brethren, is what about you and what about me? If someone could look at you and you had to answer it, say, Show me your faith by your works, what could you show them? What could you show them? And it takes more than just saying, I believe, brother. What would you show them? What kind of works? What is your life like? Oh, that all of us in here as men would do like Asa. The principle from this is that we would clean up our own lives and we would command our wives and our children to seek the Lord God, just like he did. I love it. He didn't ask the nation It'd be a wise thing to do to seek the Lord your God. He commanded them. He commanded them. He didn't beg. He didn't give it as a suggestion. He commanded it. It's hard for us to believe this. We live in a day when people so much about separation of church and state. Well, this is a theocracy under the old covenant, and he was the king, and he commanded it. But what about men? Everyone in here that's the head of a household, 
Have you cleaned up your life? Think about the sermons we've heard this past year. Not giving place to the devil. About prayer and faith and holy living. Have you cleaned up your life? And have you commanded your wife and your children to serve God? Don't give me this thing. I am not going to make them do anything. My children know. And your children should be this way. As long as they're living under your roof, they will live according to this word. I don't care if they're a child of God or not. They will live according to this word. I can't do nothing about it when they get outside my home. But while they're there, I don't care what they like or what they don't like. I don't care what they want to watch. I don't care what they want to listen to. I don't care if they want to go to the movies or go do this. It's according to God's word. And it's not no committee thing. God has made me a king and a priest. What does that mean? I don't have no great nation, but I have a family. In my own life. And that's what I'm to reign over. And to reign over it for him. Right. And that's what we're to do. Like I said in my prayer, though, that we'd be doers of the word and not just hearers. Remember, brethren, if you just hear the word all the time, you can deceive yourselves. You think, well, I go to the right church and I'm hearing the truth. Everything is well. Well, it's not if you're not putting it into practice. Listen, this was Judah. They're not in bad shape yet like Israel was. And here is... Altars of strange gods, high places, images. These images, you go and read about them, were sun images, Baal worship. And Solomon in his later days, remember how he fell away? And he built, the man who built the temple of God, built these other temples for these other gods. And so there they are, all around. Not hidden, but all around. But Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. I love that. What else about his character? Well, if you look down at verse 7, it says, look what he said. He said, let's build the cities and make the walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he have given us rest on every side. Another thing about this great king was that he was humble. I love that. He was the king, but he was humble. How do I know that? He acknowledged that the rest they had, the peace they had in their lives, was from God. We saw him and he's rewarded us. It's nothing we've done. God had given them rest. Do you believe that? Right. You know, most everyone in here, we have our own little persecutions we go through on the job or different things, but really in reality, we're not really prosecuted, persecuted for our faith. Not like other people in other countries. And in this time of rest that we have, and I'll tell you now, God is the one who gave it to us, all this right. prosperity. Do you acknowledge that God has given it to you? Right. Are you humble about it? Are you humble yeah. about it? This king was. And I'll tell you what a problem is with a lot of people have in their lives. Why they can't conquer their problems? James 4, 7, it says, God resisteth the proud but give of grace unto the humble. Let me let you in a little secret. You need grace from God to conquer problems. You've got a lot of problems in your life and you want to conquer them. You've got to humble yourself before the Lord because he resisteth the proud and he doesn't care who you are. There's no respecter of persons with him about this. Right. You're proud, he resists you. You can pray all day, night, all 48 days, 40 nights, fast that whole time, and he will never give you any grace until you humble yourselves. Right. That's a promise. I love it. Does it take much to memorize that verse, does it? I don't hear people want to memorize that verse. 
But if you're like me, and I know how much pride I have in my life that I try to put to death, I know it. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. In Luke 18, 14, Jesus said, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It's the opposite of what the council of the world says, isn't it? You know, they say, well, you look out for number one. Or what's the new little thing? Well, i got to love myself first before I love others. I don't know how to love myself. That's why I have a problem loving others. Oh, no. That's not the problem at all. Right. What you need to learn to do is to humble yourselves, and God will exalt you in due time. Right. And if he never does in this life, so be it. He's the one who's wise and knows what he's doing. Amen. And another thing I like about this king we can learn from him is that during this time of peace... A little simple principle all you have to do is sit down and think about it for a minute. Is he was at idle. Right. Ten years they had peace. Wouldn't it be just real easy just to sit back and say, oh, this is great? No, he got to work right away. He got to work. Now, we don't need to be building fortified cities, but brethren, while we have all this time of peace and all, how much are we studying God's word and memorizing these verses right. while we have it? While you have these children still at home, how much are you working with them, teaching them, trying to prepare them for life? Let me tell you something. I know some of the younger ones, you're sitting there thinking, oh, Jim, don't know what he's talking about. But before you know it, they're going to be gone. Right. Tomorrow will be my son's birthday. He's going to be 13 years old. 13 years old. Brother, I just remember the other day being at the Scott's house on New Year's Eve, and we're heading to the hospital. But that was 13 years ago. 13 years. Right. We don't need to be idle. They used to have an old saying saying idleness is the devil's workshop. I say amen to it. Right. Amen to it. In Proverbs 19, 15, it says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Now, brethren, this is so true that you know that even the world knows this about when it applies to working. But you know what? I don't think God is concerned here about the main thing about working about sticking some food in your mouth. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. You know why some of you suffer hunger spiritually? Idleness, slothfulness. You're in a deep sleep. You can't see nothing. You don't know what to do. And all it is simply is idleness, slothfulness. You got this time of peace. Nothing holding you back. In Ecclesiastes 10, 18, it says, By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the hand droppeth through. I love that picture. It's the picture of a house. And through much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house will just drop through. You ever seen a house in a country that's like that, real old house? And it's just caved in on one side? You know what it is? When you have a house, and this is like your life, right. termites will attack. you got to kill them. And you might have to replace that wood that they've ate up. Right? And if that don't happen, storms come along. Might damage the house. It needs to be repaired. And in this time, like right now, the winter we're having, maybe it's the type thing you've got heat inside the house and it's leaking out. You've got to find out where that leak is and seal it up to keep the heat in the house. I love the picture. It's just like our own lives. You cannot be idle. If you're idle about it, you know why you're not hot for the Lord? That heat is leaking out somewhere. Your house has a leak in it somewhere. You know why your house isn't no stronger than what it is? It needs repair in some places. Right. You're not fixing it. You're just letting it be like it is. 
And look what it says. It's just decaying and falling apart. That's the way our lives are if you be idle about it. Remember Brother Jonathan saying last week, now is the time of salvation. Right. Now is the day. We don't have a promise if we're going to be in this world tomorrow or even tonight. We might leave here and get in the car and have a wreck and get killed going home. But while you have time, brethren, while you have time, you better quit being idle. Asa was it. Asa was it at all. But like all God's children, he was doing that was right. He wasn't idle. He wasn't proud. He had an army. But a time of testing came, and it wasn't because of anything he did bad. All of us will have testing. You know why? Let me share it with you, brethren. I've been around the block a few times. If God doesn't bring tests in your life, you'll start going toward that idleness, thinking that you've reached the pinnacle, that you know there's no more that you need to do. But guess what? We all need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need to grow in faith. And to see how much dependent we are on him. And the Lord brings those tests in, and it pushes us to grow. We don't like it in a way because it doesn't seem too pleasant at the time. But after we come through it, we see how the Lord provides. We know it was good. We know it was good. And the Lord seems to always do it in ways that we never would want to do it. But you know what? I love it. He knows what's best. Amen. Because if he left it up to me, I'd probably never have a test at all. Now, I don't think you're no different from me. But it's rough when you come to the test. Well, look at Asa. He built these cities. He has this little army. And all of a sudden, one day, Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a million men and 300 chariots, and we know from the other chapter there, they had horsemen too, come out to fight them. Come out to fight them. If you look at it, they basically had them outnumbered two to one. Now, let me tell you something, brethren. They didn't have bombs and planes and submarines and guided missiles back then. How would you like to be a soldier? Part of them has a shield and a spear, and the other part has a shield, and they have bow and arrow. And you go out, and you look out there, and you can't count that there's a million out there, but you know they outnumber you. And not only do you look out there and they're outnumbering you, these Ethiopians, but there's chariots out there, and there's men on horses out there. Let me remind you of something. When you're on the ground as a man, and somebody's on a horse or in a chariot, it is terrifying, especially when you know they're out to kill you. How can you defend yourself against that? Do you think a shield can stop a horse? You might can stick that spear in him, but <laughs> it's going to be rough. And then once you do it, you don't have a spear no more. And here's all these other men running around with swords. Warfare back then was rough. Why am I bringing all this up? Because, brethren, it doesn't matter what your problem is. Right. Things don't change. The principles are still the same. Everybody has this tendency to say, well, you just don't understand. My problem is so different from anybody else's. It's never been like this. Oh, it's still the same. Right. It's still the same. The principle is still the same. What I want you to look at is what did Asa do? What did the Spirit want us to see what he did? Did he draw up a cleverly designed plan? How do you take on an enemy that's outnumbered two to one? I know what the world says. You know, get up on a mountain or somewhere. Maybe get in those fence cities and you just do it by attrition. You know, because it's so rough to get in there if you got a good defense. No, he didn't do that. Well, did he just run away, play the coward? No, he didn't do that either. I don't think it would have done him much good. Did he surrender? You know, I'm, I'm a wise man. They got me outnumbered two to one. They got chariots and horses. Just surrender. No, he didn't do that. Now, what did he do? He went out and met his enemy head on. 
They didn't run to those defense cities that he built. He went and met his enemy head on. Do you think that Asa thought that maybe these mighty men of valor were stronger than the Ethiopians were? I don't think so. Not according to what he says here. So what was his plan? What does the Spirit want us to see? How did he meet an enemy that seemed impossible? How was he going to defeat them? But comes after and meets them head on. What's his plan? I love it. It's prayer, brethren. Amen. It was prayer. Because when you believe in the true and living God, you know he can do anything. Right. It doesn't matter whether your marriage is falling apart, you're having problems on the job, you're having problems with your kids, you're having problems with a brother, whatever the problem is, mental, physical, whatever the problem is. And I know I'm just like you, brethren. I'll get in these problems and I'll think there's just no way out. But there is a way out, Amen. and it's by prayer, brethren. Right. And why I'm so, trying to come so strong on about this is because I'm just tired of it. I hear so many people, and I'm talking about professing Christians, that act like prayer is just some little ritual. Why don't you just go ahead and be a Roman Catholic? They act like, you know, prayer is just this little thing that you do, and then you've got to get out there and do your best of what you're going to do. The prayer is nothing. Let me remind you, Jesus said, but without him we can do nothing. Amen. Prayer is the means where we get strength from him. He says he'll give the Holy Ghost to those who ask. He gives us the story, remember the last time I got up here and preached, about he is the one who gave us that illustration about the woman with the unjust judge. He said, he's the one, Jesus said, here the unjust judge. Why did he answer that woman? She was just worrying to death. He gives that as a picture about how to come to him to get stuff from him. Keep on praying till you get the answer. And how much more he will give the answer than an unjust judge. Prayer. Brother Jonathan's already been experiencing it. He'll admit it to you. There's some problems, some hard nut shells he's tried to crack. I'll say this, I'll show him this. And it doesn't work. And he says when he quit doing anything and just pray about it, all of a sudden the Lord just changes all of a sudden. Right. And the whole thing has just changed. You know why? Because you know it has to be of God. Amen. We got a family in here that could testify about this. God can change things. There's nothing too hard for him. If there's something too hard for him, I want to know what it is. I know there's some things he can't do. You know what that is? He can't lie. He can't lie. I love it. He can't lie. Every day I asked him, I said, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. I know you can't lie. You said in thy word, if I be an evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more thou, my heavenly Father, give the Holy right. Ghost to me. And I love it. It encourages my faith. Amen. Whether I feel anything or not, I know he'll give me his Holy Ghost. Because I need it. I can't do anything apart from him. And that is the secret Asa had. You imagine what the men are thinking. You're going out, and here's these Ethiopians out here. And let me tell you, these Ethiopians at this time were pretty powerful. You know where they had to go through to get here? They had to go through Egypt. But that was no problem because they were ruling Egypt at the time. Right. The Philistines was even in with them. I know that from the towns they went through there. And go out there, and they're wondering, what's the king going to do? Look at this great army out here. That's how we do it for problems. We get so overwhelmed. He didn't look at that. He looked to his God, and he cried unto him. Look at this prayer. Cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, and let me tell you, that Lord there is capitalized every letter, L-O-R-D. You know what that means? That is the I am that I am. The great Jehovah. 
who stands in need of no one or anything. He's blessed and glorious in and of himself. He doesn't need us at all. Right. But you know what? We need him. We need him for everything. And he's such a great God. Look what he says. And this is how he builds his faith up. I love this arguing he does with you. It's holy arguing in prayer. It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. That's how I know. He didn't consider those men of valor he had so strong that they could outfight these Ethiopians. Right. He knew he was outnumbered, but he knew he had a God, the true and living God. Right. God is with nothing with thee. It doesn't matter how hopeless it seems. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ one time came to some women. Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Not even death could stop him. Amen. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. Right. No problem. Right? Why don't we remember that? You want to conquer stuff? Prayer. Pray according to God's will. Jesus Christ is the king right now. We're not waiting on him to be the king. He is the king right now. He can change things politically. He can change anything. He's the one that's ruling. Look what he says. Help us, O Lord, our God. Our God. For we rest on thee. What does that mean there? It means we're trusting in thee, Lord. Right. We're trusting in thee. And it's in thy name we go against this multitude. He's reminding God. He says, you know, we have the temple here. We're here to be worshipped. We have the high priest here who's the only one that's supposed to be offering up the sacrifices. We're thy people. Thou art our God. This nation comes, and if they defeat us and come all in, they'll be able to say that their God was more powerful than you. Let me ask you something. Do you think that moves God? Mm-hmm. He's praying for his glory, right. reminding him what the heathen would say. And then he ends it up, he says, O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. And he's reminding the Lord, the Lord, the battle is really yours here. Right. And look with the answer. It didn't take a long time to answer. Mm-hmm. Right away it says the Lord smote the Ethiopians. We don't know the details at all what he did. I don't know if he sent angels down or just spoke the word of what. I just know the next thing you know, the Ethiopians are smoked. They're killed and they're running. It's so good that Ace and his people were chasing after him. Isn't that pretty great? You go out against your enemy and this great multitude out here. They don't know if they're outnumbered two to one. They just know they're outnumbered. And next thing you know, you're chasing them down the field, killing them. They chase them all the way down the, uh, the Philistines and stuff, and they're ransacking everything. And the people that's even there are just scared to death. And they take this great spoil. Isn't that pretty good? Yeah. And you know what? The Lord won't do that to your life until you start doing this yourselves. Right. Prom comes up. No prom. I'll go to my God. He can handle it. He can handle it. It doesn't matter how hopeless it might look or how hard it is. He can handle it. Look at all the reward that they got there. And they just all come back to Jerusalem. I love it. But when they come to Jerusalem in chapter 15, the Holy Ghost sends a messenger to Asa. I want to remind him about something because the temptation here is they could get all puffed up. And he goes out and meets him and he says, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. And something we need to remember, brethren. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Right. Now, I know if you're a child of God, he won't ever utterly forsake you. He's promised he won't do that. But I'm going to tell you something. In your everyday life, he will forsake you if you won't seek him. By that is he won't bless you and he won't protect you and he won't give you this rest. And he won't give you this victory over your enemies or whatever problems you have if you don't walk with him. It doesn't matter who you are. 
He's with you while you be of him. And if you seek him, I love it. Isn't that a great promise? If you seek him, he'll be found of you. He'll be found. He doesn't hide himself. It might seem like hiding to you, but you know what he's waiting for? Seek him with your whole heart. Sincerely, wholeheartedly. And then he'll just step right in. And then the prophet gives them a little history lesson here. Now, there's those ten tribes up there, Israel. He says it's been for a long season now. They've been found the true God. I'll remind you. Remember what the king up there did? He built two golden calves. said, these are your gods. It got so bad, if you look back in 13, it says that uh, uh, anybody come with a young bullock and seven rams, he gets to be the priest. And so the real true priest there were leaving and coming down here. I mean, it was bad, and so they wouldn't care. They didn't even have a teaching priest no more. Prophets of Baal are going to teach you about God. And they wouldn't care what God's word said anymore. They were walking in the counsel of the ungodly, however they thought. For a long season it had been that way, but you know what he brings out to them? But when they in their trouble did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Isn't our God merciful? Amen. Even when they were rebellious and wicked like that, but when they got in trouble and they cried unto God, he had mercy Amen. and delivered them. Right. And he says, in those times, there's no peace to him that went out because God still chastised them for what they did. And they had constant troubles, constant troubles. And that's why all the fixations and all of them came on. But look what he says to Asa and all of Benjamin and Judah. Be ye strong, therefore, in light of this, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Right. It will be rewarded. Be strong. Be strong. Don't let your hands be weak. And then look how Asa reacts to this. What's his reaction to that? He took courage and went to work. Amen. I love it. He took courage from this. Here's his prophet come out. I mean, you're right here in this time of celebration. And one way he could react it is, why is this guy wanting to destroy our joy? You know, we've had this great victory, and now he wants to come and reminds us of this. Well, we're trying to serve God. We're trying to do what's right, and God's gave us great victory. Why is he saying this to us? Couldn't he wait to another time? No, Asa was glad, and he took courage. God just promised, you keep walking with him and keep seeking me, and I'll reward you for it. I'll reward you for it. So he took courage, and he went and starts putting away a bundle of idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. And then other places that he'd taken, he went back and repaired the altar of the Lord. Apparently it was falling apart. No one even cared anymore. So he went on doing more. And guess what? I like verse 9. It says, And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. I got a secret for you today. Guess what the secret of church growth is? It's not seven steps. It's not ten. It's not twenty. You don't have to have a seminar. I don't have to have some special speaker come in here. You don't even have to have Jonathan here. I can tell you based on God's word right here. You know what the secret of church growth is? When people see that the Lord is with you. You've cleaned up your life and you have a good heart before the Lord and you're doing what's good and right in his eyes. If they're true children of God, they want to be with you. What's going on over there at that church of Greenville? What's going on? They want to be with you. That's the secret. That's the secret, brethren. 
is where people can see that the Lord is with you. But here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Can people see that the Lord is with us? Right. Are we bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Amen. Can they see it? Or on our jobs, wherever they see us at, are we different? Are we different? Do they know the Lord is with us? Well, then what happens again? Well, they're starting to have a Reformation revival again. After the Lord has told them this, and Asa's going to work and clean up even more stuff, they started to offer up a sacrifice. Well, brethren, we don't offer up oxen and 7,000 sheep, but you'll have an opportunity tonight. You know what you can do? You can give the sacrifice of your lips of giving thanks unto the Lord. Right. Is what you can do. And they entered into a covenant called the Solemn Assembly. Does that sound familiar? Amen. They entered into a covenant to seek God with all their hearts and all their souls. Do you think they were serious about it? Or do you think they were like people today, just say, yeah, we'll do this covenant and we'll sign our names to it, but then forget about it about a week later? I don't think so. You know why? Look at verse 13. Here's the thing. You wasn't just to seek the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, but there was another condition there. Amen. Verse 13 says that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Amen. It didn't matter who you was. If you didn't do it, they said you should be put to death. Right. Put to death. Do you think they were serious? Amen. I do. I think they were very serious. And you know what else? I love verse 15. Right. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath. They didn't look at it and go, Oh, I know this is the right thing to do. We've got to do this. And now we swore. Now we've got to keep it. No, they rejoiced at it. Look at what it says in verse 14. They swore to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and cornets. Sounds like a party. They were rejoicing about this oath. And what is the oath? Just simply this. We'll seek the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul. We'll live every day for Him. And we know from His Word He'll reward us. It doesn't matter what Israel's doing over yonder or anybody else is doing. The Lord's having mercy on us. And then the Spirit brings back in more of Asa's character at this time. Verse 16. Maekai, if you look back, that was his really his grandmother. She's the queen. I imagine it was like being a queen like the queen of England. It's just really kind of a title thing. She wasn't really the ruler. But she's the queen. And look what he did. He removed her from being queen. Do you remember something Jesus said about being a true disciple? Right. If you don't love him more than mother and father, right. son and daughter, husband and wife, yeah, even more than your own life, you're not even worthy to be his disciple. That's it. Well, look at Asa. You know how embarrassing this would be? That's his grandmother. She's the queen. But he finds out she made an idol in the grove, and what did he do? I love it. She's not the queen anymore. And he goes and takes down that idol, and it says he cut it down, and he stamps it and burns it in the river. He did that, and all the people saw it, especially God. But it says, but the high places were not taken of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. Well, how do we understand that? As far as he knew, he had cleaned up everywhere. Apparently, there were still some high places around. But I know from this, his heart was perfect. He didn't know about them. At this time in his life, I know Asa would have did something about it. But you know what I love about it? And this is encouraging, brother. None of us are perfect. But your heart is perfect before the Lord, seeking him serving him 
even though you still have some sins and areas in your life you might not even be aware of, God will still be working with you. Still be working with you. Still merciful. You know why? Because your heart is right. And at the right time, he'll show you these things. He'll show you these things. I know in times past when I was at other churches and other things and a lot of error around, the Lord knew that I was wanting to do his will and wanting to know what it is. And he had mercy on me. But you know what? Don't get, don't misunderstand me on this. When he did show it to me, I obeyed it because I knew what would happen. I read in God's word too many times. I didn't want to remain in the congregation of the dead. I never understand when I'd be visiting other churches and I'd just ask simple questions. Why do you do this and why that? And that's the way we always done it. And I mean Baptist as well as anybody else. I wanted to hear, thus saith the Lord. Amen. It's not that hard. But his heart was perfect, and I love it. He brought in the house of God the things his father had dedicated, and he had dedicated. And let me give you something of encouragement, brethren. The Lord rewarded him. It says there was just not that great of a father. Let me give you encouragement. We won't go over the detail today, but you go back and you read about his father, Abijah, how he dealt with Israel. This was his father, Asa's father. And one time they came out against him, and I love how he stood up to him, and he just said this to him. He says, you rebellious people, how dare you come against us? Don't you know that I'm in the line of King David? That promise was given by God, that the seed of David would be the king's, and I'm in that line. And the king that you have over you is a rebellious servant. He's not even in that line at all. And that same king is the one who built golden calves and told you to worship them. That same king is the one who's causing Levites and priests to leave your tribes to come down here to us. Every day we offer up sacrifice to God by true priest every morning, every night. And we serve the true and living God. And you're going to come out here and fight against us? You better stop it. Well, they thought they were smart. And they ambushed him and had him totally surrounded. But you know what they did? You know what their secret was to win in the battle? The same one Asa used. Amen. They cried unto the Lord, and the Lord destroyed them. And thousands in Israel died that day, but not in Judah. Right. Asa remembered that. Asa remembered that, brother. You might not think the training you try to do if your children is going to have any effect in your life. You're going to have to keep telling this day in and day out, whether just like me and you, the hard-headed. But you know what? They'll remember. Asa remembered. He remembered. What was his father's secret for defeating Israel? He prayed. You tell me if I'm wrong. It's the same thing Asa did. He saw what God had did for his father, and he did the same thing for him. Did the same thing for him. Well, brethren, we have to come on into chapter 16. And here is the warning. All this peace, all this prosperity that's going on, and guess what happens? Here's the warning. Let me sum it up. You must keep on seeking, serving, and making sure you have a perfect heart toward God every single day, or God will turn to be your enemy, and if you're a child of God, he'll surely punish you. Right. Let me warn you about something. Asa decides to turn to the world, lean to his own understanding. You know, he built his fortified cities. He's seen what the Lord had did for him in the past. He just forgot it all. All of a sudden he hears news that the king of Israel is going to build this special city up here. And what he was going to try to do is stop people from going down into Judah. No king loves to be losing his servants and stuff. And what does Asa do? He takes money that, and gold and stuff that he dedicated to God. 
and he sends it to the king of Syria, an uncircumcised heathen, and says, there's a league between me and you. Go and fight against these Israelites. These are his brethren. And they went and did it. And he got success from it. I can hear people today, well, you tell me not to do this, but I did it and it worked. It worked. They won't come out and say this, but they'll say, I leaned into my own understanding and it worked. I went and got some help from the world and it worked. Don't you know that's a judgment from God? Right, amen. How he puts it in Proverbs, it's the prosperity of fools. Look at my life. I'm making all this money. I'm doing great. You're not rich like this. And then God sends a prophet to him, Haniah the seer. And look what he said. He says, don't you know, I'll put it in our words today. He says, don't you know, if you had relied on me, and even if the king of Syria had came with Israel, come down here, I would have gave them both into your hands. Right. And it reminds him, he were not the Ethiopians and Lumbans, a huge host of very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because I did rely on the Lord, he delivered them to thine hand. And I love that promise in verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Rather than if you've got a perfect heart, isn't that encouraging? Amen. And if your heart is less than perfect but you're working at it, isn't it still encouraging? Amen. Shouldn't this encourage you to start working on having a perfect heart? God's eyes, see, this is the figure gives us running to and fro the whole earth looking for that perfect heart. And when he finds that perfect heart, to show himself strong for that individual. Even me, a nobody, that's right, even you, a nobody. And how quickly Asa forgot. And me and you are the same way. Right. We're the same way. You can't hide from God. He sees your heart. He knows all things. And look how sin had hardened him. Look how he reacted. The prophet says here, and thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Remember the first time you heard the prophet, what did he do? He took courage and got to work, right? right? Look what he does this time. He gets mad and puts that prophet in jail and starts suppressing some of the people. You know who some of those people were that he oppressed? It doesn't tell you here, but I got a good guess. You know who some of those people were? Probably people around and says, you know, that prophet is right. And he oppressed them. So what does God do? He had wars from then on, and then he got this disease in his feet, and he had it to the day he died. And let me warn you about something here. Don't read verse 12 and say, look at there. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians that all doctors are wrong. That is not teaching that right here. It's talking about his attitude. Right. You know why? What does it mean, and yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord? Asa knew full well, while all of a sudden, he had disease in his feet. It was chastisement from God for what he had done. And he didn't go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned against thee. I've just acted the fool. You're right. You're just in everything you're doing for me. Forgive me. No, he just kept going to the doctors. But yet this thing was from God. And it doesn't matter what doctor it is, alternative or regular doctor, whatever it is, whatever they're using. Natural hemonies are... Artificial ones. So no matter what it is, it could be the best surgeon in the world. If God sends a disease there like that in judgment on it, it'll never be cured. And brethren, the same thing can happen to me and you. Right. You say, will he do that to a child of God? Oh, yes, he will. 
and see how easily sin hardens his heart. We have got to work on this every day. But you say it's so hard. Yes, it's so hard, but look how the Lord rewards. Look how the Lord rewards. It'll be worth it. Don't you remember the songs we were singing this morning? That one song, Just One Glimpse in Him and Glory? Amen. Oh, make it worth it all. Make it worth it all. And the thing I'm encouraged about, the older you get, the faster it goes. This life is going to be gone in no time. It's going to be gone in no time. And then I'll see Jesus as he is. And I know the precious promise from his word is when I see him as he is, I'll be like him. Right. Because I can't be standing in his presence unless I'm holy too and been made perfect. Do you agree? Amen. Is that right? Right. Now, that's not deep, brethren. I think everything I've said today, even the children here can understand. Let me sum it up. We need to do that which is good and right according to God's holy word. Amen. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them, and I don't care who they are. Right. We need to redeem the time and be humble servants of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not going to be here forever. We need to redeem the time. How do you do that? You don't just sit around and do nothing. Unless you're going to go to sleep. If you're awake, get to work. Get to work. You say you don't have enough time to read your Bible? Get to read your Bible. You don't have enough time to memorize? When you do have some time, start memorizing. Right. Clean up your life. Clean up your family's life. And we need to be humble servants. We need to be people of prayer and to trust that God will overcome our enemies. Yes, even that darling sins. He's never promised to take it completely away from us. But he can give us the strength and the grace to keep fighting, to put that old man to death, to starve him out. <coughs> he can give us the victory. Precious promise I use, I say, Jesus, you promised to come to save thy people from their sins. You've got to save me from this sin because I can't do it. Right. I keep fighting against this sin, and I just can't do it. Right. And all of a sudden, I start getting the victory. Amen. But you know what? I have to keep fighting against it. It's still there. It's still there. That's why I love Romans 7. Paul says, I found a law with me. Every time I would do good, evil was present there. Right. He wouldn't agree with the higher life movement or charismatic movement. Right. To the day we die, you've got to get this in your mind. You're going to have to fight against sin constantly. But you know what, brethren? And this ain't no pie in the sky, artificial thing. We have a hope set before us. And I know one day I will be perfect. Amen. Body, soul, and spirit. It's a realistic thing. But you know what it's like in high-power shooting? He who aims at nothing hits nothing. Mm -hmm. That's got to be our go. We need to be walking with the Lord every day. What I mean by that, I love how the Lord describes us, how he describes a man that's seeking him and obeying him. He calls that a man that's walking with him. Right. And that's how we need to do. Every single day. Jim, you sound like a fanatic. That's right. We need to be hot for God every day. Every Amen. one of us are full-time Christian workers. Right. Every one of us has been called to a ministry. And you say, what do you mean? Whatever it is the Lord has you to do, whether putting in a windshield on a truck or delivering groceries, working on a computer, whatever it is, right. serving out sandwiches, whatever, sweeping the floor, doing your schoolwork. That's what God has called you to do. And you do that with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul into the Lord. Right. That's your full-time calling. Yeah, but all I do is wash dishes and have to clean up after these people. Guess what? That's just as important as someone else going out here doing something else. Right. We live in a day of a lot of false teaching. We're all supposed to serve the Lord. 
and be like Judah and rejoice at it. Seek him with all our heart and all our soul. Then guess what? Work seems a little different. You know, a problem starts coming, and you have to remind yourself, I'm coming to do this for the Lord. And the problem comes in, you go, well, you know, the Lord must have sent this this way. And I know you have to keep working at this. But the Lord sent this way. Someone's hard to get along with. Well, the Lord brought him into my life. He must need, know that I need to learn how to love people. You know, when you've got people around you that's easy to love, that's real easy to do. Mm-hmm. But you bring somebody that just downright hates you, has nothing in common with you at all, and then you start loving them. Well, thank brother, that's how me and you were. We love the Lord because he first loved us. Right. We need to be encouraged with God's prophets when they bring their warnings and their promises. And I'm not referring to myself. I'm talking about Brother Jonathan. When he comes with rebukes and promises, we need to do like Asa and take courage, claim those promises, and do what he says to do and go put it into practice. Right. Not sit back and go, how dare he come preach that at me? Why does he want to pick on me? Why does he want to talk about this? What kind of life am I going to live if I live like what he says? Quit watching TV. Quit going to movies. Start trying to dress modestly. Read my Bible. People will think I'm kind of peculiar. Amen. They'll think I'm different from everybody else. Praise the Lord. That's right. That's the whole idea to be a holy people. Right. And thank God we have a pastor like our pastor because he wouldn't bring those things up unless he loved us. Amen. He knows every time he preaches that thing, there might be somebody that's just the limit for him, and they just I can't take it no more and walk right out the door. Amen. And I think I have a little experience to know. I know what I'm talking about. But brethren, I hope that we're not that way. But what I want to show you is the warning. If we don't keep on seeking after the Lord every single day, and it's an everyday battle, right, everyday battle, the easy thing to do is to do nothing. But I'll tell you something, brethren. If you're not putting sin to death in your life, it's going to be trying to put you to death. Right. You'll just lull into that sleep when right. I read about that verse about idleness and slothfulness. You just fall into that deep sleep, and your house is just falling all apart, and you're so blind you don't even know it. And then one day, it's a major problem. And you wonder, how in the world did I get there? How did I get there? You know why? Because you wasn't seeking the Lord every single day, doing what he said to do. We have a brother in here. It's his favorite verse. It's my favorite one, too. I love it. We need to keep our hearts with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. And guess what? God will show himself strong on behalf of us. You realize that? I love it. I'm just an old truck driver delivering groceries. But here comes God's eyes, and he sees me working, trying to keep a perfect heart before him, and he'll show himself strong on my behalf. And let me tell you what he's done. I ain't going to wait till the night. You say, you're taking advantage. That's right. When I came to my job, I was thinking about this last night. All I was trying to do was get off the highway so I could be with my family and be with you, brethren, and be here at the worship of God. Money was not a consideration at all. I just knew I had to get off the highway. And PYA, getting on with them, I would be home every night and be off on the weekend. That's all I was concerned about. And then it hit me after I was there, I got thinking, I wonder how much money I'll make. I didn't even give it a thought because I needed to get off the highway so bad. And remember, the Lord was so merciful. I was sending out resumes and mailing them everywhere and talking and going to places. My interviews would be in my uniform. And the truck parked out there. Big old tanker. It's all the time I had, but I was diligent. 
and praying. And then one day, I just get a phone call, got the job. Got the job, just like that. But since I've been working there, brother, I make more money now and work less hours. Amen. My pay and my benefits now is uncomparable to what I used to get. Uncomparable. I cannot believe I'm amazed at what I make and my benefits. We get bought out. Now I get to work with some other people in here work at. You know, that's always a fearful thing. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> my benefits are going to be even better. Right. Even better. Options I had for insurance, I was telling a brother this morning before, was like two or three. Now it's going to be five. And if you thought I had vacation time before, I'm getting more. Amen. I'm getting more. Now, i got to be there those years to get those. But, I mean, it's even more insurance. I mean, more vacation time. More. Who did all that? Lord, the Lord. Lord did all that. He did all that. If we'll just obey him and work at having a good heart. A perfect heart, sincerely seeking after him. Mm -hmm. It's nothing new, brethren. Nothing new at all. Listen to these words, and I'll close up here of the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 14. Some of the last words that he spoke. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And may he be that way in our lives. Amen. And may we be like Judah and we rejoice and be glad that we're seeking the Lord of all our hearts. Whatever his truth says, we'll do it, no matter how hard it might be to the flesh. I grew up on TV all my life. I think I got an idea. You might not admit it, what it sounds like when you hear Jonathan saying that we shouldn't be watching TV. There ain't nothing worth watching on it. Shouldn't be going to the movies. I went to movies all my life. In fact, I've probably seen more movies than a lot of you in here even saw. But guess what? It's worth it all. Right. It's worth it all. Because if you're like me, I want to live a holy life. It's due to him. Amen. It's due to him. May the Lord bless us as we get to work and not be idle. And him come and show himself strong on our behalf. Amen. As we get to work on it, I think another thing that's exciting is to see that if people see that the Lord's with us, it'll make them want to come and be here. Right. And it'll be the right kind of people because the only kind of people that want to come here and be with us are people that sold out with the Lord. Amen. Because I'll tell you something. Look around this room. Look at who you have to fill in for the pastor when he's gone. If you don't love the Lord, this is the last place in the world you want to be. And I'm glad for it. I'm right. glad for it. May the Lord bless us as we put this into practice. Amen. Let's stand now and be dismissed with a word of prayer.